Hey, thank you for listening to the City Life Church podcast. We are leading people to become fully alive in Jesus. We are a church in San Francisco, and we are praying that this word will encourage you, challenge you, and help you grow in your faith journey. Hey, once again, uh, as, as Pastor John John said, my name's Andrew. My wife, Julia, she's actually at home preaching today. Uh, she's not with me. She's preaching all day today. Uh, we have three services, probably four uh, here in the fall coming up, and it's been really amazing. We started church five years ago, uh, downtown Portland, and um, it's, it's been absolutely amazing what God has done the last five years. And I told John John this last time he was with us in, in uh, January, which I, I don't think you knew until I told you, but when we, when we planted and I, you know, I posted, you know, hey, we're starting a church, whatever, um, John John slash City Life was the very first church to ever uh, sow money into our church uh, from the, before we even started, from the moment we announced, uh, you guys were the very first people to send finances and send help uh, to us playing the church. So though you might have never been to Portland or even knew who I am or knew what Rose is, you've been involved in our church, been a part of our church, and what's going on at, at Rose and what's going on in Portland, you're connected to. And as, as a pastor said, he's been there three or four times out the church and, and Sundays and ministry and prophetic stuff. And yeah, as John as said, I've known them my entire life. I've known Pastor Elena literally my entire life. They used to babysit me. Um, so all, all the trauma I have is because of those two. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it's an honor to be here. I know my dad's coming here in a few weeks and stuff like that. But it's an honor to be here. Um, I have some thoughts I want to share with you this morning. Um, this is not a sermon. This is not some canned, like, oh, I've done this sermon 20 times. I've never shared about this stuff. It's just something I've been thinking about all week. Uh, some things that I've been deeply considering, praying about. I can't get out of my heart. And it got to the point where last night I'm talking to John John and about some sermons I had in my mind I want to do. And you know, I really thought I'd be disobedient if I didn't share what has been in my heart. So this is not some canned sermon. This is not something I've preached 20 times. This is just something out of my heart this morning uh, that I've been considering and praying about the last couple days. And so is that okay? Yeah. All right, here we go. Book of Luke, chapter 17. Book of Luke, chapter 17. We're going to read just eight verses. I just want to share some things that by my heart. Pretty famous story. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you've read it before. If you've never been in church before, um, welcome. It's our honor to have you. Maybe you're walking by and you're like, I don't know where people are going. Kind of seems fun. I'll go in. Maybe you watch online for a bit. Now in the building. Maybe you just moved to the city. I don't know how or why you got in this room, but it's our honor to have you. And if you are new, you want to get plugged in, please stop by Next Steps and meet somebody. Talk to somebody, any with a lanyard. We'd love to help you get involved. And maybe this is all new to you. Worship. You're like, dude, Christian karaoke is a bit much. I don't know how I feel about the whole stage thing. Um, it's not karaoke. It's called worship. And um, actually, this is not the worship band. We are the worship band. We are collectively worshiping together. And so maybe this is all new to you. Maybe the Bible's all new to you. Or maybe you're raised in church your entire life. But pretty famous story. It's out of the book of Luke chapter 17. Here we go. It says, as Jesus continued, onward toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered into a village there, Ten men with leprosy, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go, show yourselves to the priests. I want you to key on a few phrases here for underlining, circling, on your phone, whatever. He says, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he, circle this, memorize this, when he saw, 
when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for all that he had done. For this man was a Samaritan. Circle that, note that. Why do we need to know? This man is a Samaritan. Jesus then asked the man, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said back to the man, stand up and go, for your faith has healed you. Stand up and go, for your faith has healed you. This morning, I'm going to share from the thought, just from the short idea, um, it's been there all along. It was there all along. Let's pray as we jump into God's word this morning. Father, I thank you for this morning. God, what an amazing time of worship and your presence is in the room. God, we feel you moving in the room and speaking to hearts and lives and marriages and God, people's soul. God, I pray as we spend a few moments in this amazing, pretty familiar for some of us, but new for others. God, this story about these 10 men that were healed of leprosy. God, I pray your, your spirit be in the room as we think about your word, as we open your word. Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our heart. Father, we're not here just to play church go to a religious service and do something moral. Father, we are here to be changed from the inside out. God, I pray every one of us would leave this room different than we walked in, God. Something that happened, not just intellectually, but internally in our soul, God, our spirit. God, we open our eyes to, we open our ears to, would you speak to us through this word? God, we thank you for what you're doing in this amazing, amazing church. Thank you for today. In your mighty and mighty name, I pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. As Pastor John John said, um, I promise you, the more responsive you are and the louder you are, the way better I will preach. Okay, so if you're just going to like sit there and stare for the day, we might as well just wrap up and go home. Okay, so I promise you, the louder you are, the more responsive you are, I'm going to preach a lot better. But there's something interesting that I have found about starting to follow Jesus. Um, that maybe you're newer to faith. Maybe this is a whole new journey for you. Maybe um, you've been in church your entire life. Uh, there's something that happens within the fall of Jesus, and it's this, that he begins to talk to you about your family of origin. What's interesting is our father of faith, right? His, man, his name is Abraham, or his name was Abram. He's from the book of Genesis, chapter 11 to chapter 26, around there. The, that's the life of Abraham. What's interesting in Genesis 11 is the very first time that God comes to Abraham or Abram then and says, I call you, I choose you, follow me. That was day one of the life of Abraham. And God says, leave your father, leave your native land, get into Genesis 12 verse 1. Then he says, and then we're going to deal with what God you serve. What's interesting, if you don't know this, that Abraham's father named Terah was an idol worshiper. He was an idol maker. He had a, a store at a popular street, and he would sell idols. What's interesting is one of the very first things that God does in your faith journey is address your family idols. Now, you're like, I was raised in a Christian home. That does not mean much these days. And it doesn't matter from my family being a PK and, and a ministry family to maybe you were raised in a totally unsaved home. It does not matter. Every single one of us were given things we should not have. And as you get grown, and I have next year's, the next month is 13 years for me and my wife. We have three kids, a 10, 8, and 2-year-old. Two 2-year-old, two for sure an accident. <laughs> COVID got boring. We didn't know what else to do. 
that was not planned. But we have three kids. And as you grow, as you get married, have kids, grow in marriage, one of the things that happens in your mature pattern is you consider where you came from. Good, bad, and different. You begin to consider family of origin. Like, wow, I was given some stuff I should probably put down. I was given some idols. I don't think I should really worship like that. That could be money. That could be a job. That could be an accolade. That could be what school you went to. That could be your family name. Like, oh, I'm a, right? We, we, we're given these idols that God wants to put his finger on and go, now that you're joining me on this journey of faith, that idol's staying here. That's not coming with us. So as I begin to grow, I'm turning 36 here this year and considering my family of origin. My dad uh, and his family is from Portugal, from the Azor Islands, all migrated to America. My mom is from Melbourne, Australia, so I'm half Portuguese, half Australian. Both my sides were immigrants to America. Both took four-month boat trips, packed all their stuff, moved to America, did the whole transition to a new nation, all that kind of stuff. And I have three siblings, me and three sisters. I have no brothers. It's proof God hates me. I have no brothers, all sisters. I have two older sisters. Me and my little sister. My mom, uh, when, she was, uh, when they first got married, my mom was told she'll never have children. She was barren for 13 years, could not have kids. Every doctor, every test, every, everything they were told, you will never have children. After 12 to 13 years of trying, they decided we'll adopt. They adopted my oldest sister, Nicole, from Guatemala, from a tiny orphanage in the middle of the jungle in Guatemala. It's my oldest sister, Nicole. Four years later, there was a couple in their church or that someone knew someone that there are two teenage heroin addicts that got pregnant and wanted to have someone adopt their kid. So my sister Bethany, the one right above me, was adopted four years later after my sister Nicole from two 16-year-old homeless crack addicts that they adopted this child named Bethany. Five years later, miracle baby. Being me. Out of nowhere, gets pregnant. Five years later, me. Five years after that, my little sister. Out of nowhere, pregnant again. So every five years, there was two adopted kids, me and my little sister. Anybody have adopted siblings in the room? Anybody, a few of you? There are family dynamics when it comes to blended families. To adopted siblings, to biological siblings, to step-siblings, to blended siblings. And I've just really considered in the last number of years, my family of origin, how I've raised with two older sisters... Adopted, me, biological sister. My oldest sister, Nicole, when she was told that she was adopted, her response to adoption was, thank God. Right? I would have died in an orphanage in a village in Guatemala. I would have never made it out. My sister's Nicole response was always, thank you, God, I was adopted. I was saved. I was chosen. My sister Bethany's response was, I can't believe someone didn't want me. They responded very different to adoption. Nicole's entire life was, thank you, God, someone picked me. And I moved out of Guatemala and was adopted. Bethany's response was, I can't believe someone did not want me. Bethany then spent, my oldest sister, Bethany, spent her entire adulthood searching for family. My sister then, out of high school, became a heroin addict, drug addicted, alcoholic, uh, she left home when she was 18. I was 13, 14 at the time. Was not around her, did not see her. Might see her once a year, maybe twice a year. She come five hours late to Thanksgiving dinner, maybe on a birthday, in and out of rehabs her entire adult life. Finally got clean a number of years ago. 
maybe five years ago, finally got clean. COVID really did a number on a lot of people that had to live at home, which is not good for addictive-minded people that cannot leave their homes. Um, she began to drink again, smoke again, ended up drinking herself to death next month a year ago. August 12th, drank herself to death during dinner with her boyfriend. We then had to go clean her apartment, right? Get all of her stuff. As we're going through all of her stuff, there's all these letters she was writing to herself. The theme of all these letters were, I have no mom, I have no dad, I have no family, I'm all alone. Now, what's interesting, obviously none of you know this, my mom, when they adopted Bethany, she was one day old. It wasn't years in, it was one day. She, my mom was the very first person to touch, receive, and hold Bethany day one at the hospital. What most people don't know, if you know my sister, is my mom was the last person to see her alive. My mom was the first one to see her and the last. And Bethany spent her entire life searching for her mom. What people don't know, none of us did either, is a, a few months before my sister died, she found her biological mom. None of us knew this until later. Her biological mom is still a crack addict living in a two-by-four, or a two-by-side, two downtown Portland under a bridge and still the same life. When Bethany met her biological mom, that is what sent her into a spiral drinking binge because she was reminded again, I don't have a mom. But what's fascinating is that my sister spent her entire life looking for something she already had. She had a mom that was the first to hold her and the last to see her. But her narrative to herself was, I don't have a mom. I don't have a family. But yet, something she spent her whole life looking for, she had. I wonder how many of us are doing the same thing. We are spending our time, our money, our focus, our hours, our jobs, looking for something you already have. Luke chapter 17 comes to my mind because it's such an interesting story. The Bible says there are 10 men that have leprosy. They shout out to Jesus, heal us, heal us. Master, have mercy on us. The Bible says Jesus heals all 10, but only one comes back. And Jesus says, where are the other nine? Did I not heal all 10? The Bible says that one man came back to what? Say thank you. This morning, I want to talk over the next few moments I have about the power, the importance of thankfulness. Of gratitude. And I wonder this morning from a preacher from downtown Portland coming to visit you for a moment to come remind you maybe what you are searching for, you already have. What you are longing for is right there. Maybe, just maybe, as my title for my talk this morning is, it was there all along. Few thoughts about thankfulness this morning. Number one, I love the book of Psalms, chapter 100. We'll read the whole chapter together. There's only four verses, but Psalms 100 says this. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. 
We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 and 17. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. Man, if you're 19 and 20 in the room, like, what is God's will? Pray without ceasing. Rejoice in all things and be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. How many times have we prayed, God, what is your will? What is your will? I don't hear, that's important prayer. Like, what is my job and business? Am I moving? Am I staying? What school? Is this the guy? Is this the girl? Is this the job? Is this the thing? Well, God, what is your will? He says right here, you know what my will is for you? Pray without ceasing. You know what my will is for you? Be rejoicing at all times and be thankful in all circumstances. Just a few thoughts this morning. Once again, this is just in my heart. I'm just sharing. This is not some canned sermon. I'm just sharing some thoughts I've had the last few days about thankfulness. Number one is this. Thankfulness will guard you from entitlement. Thankfulness will guard you from entitlement. My son, he's going to be 10 here in, uh, next, uh, in October. He'll be 10. And um, he's obsessed with Legos. Obsessed with Legos. Now, if you don't know, or if you have a kid that's obsessed with Legos, they've gotten really hard. These Lego sets, they are, you need a full-on degree to build these Lego sets now. And so for Christmas, my oldest sister, Nicole, bought my son a 2,500 Baby Yoda Star Wars set. My son is pumped. He's like, Dad, we're building it tonight. My son is a little bit OCD. Like, whenever he starts, he will finish. Like, he ain't leaving the table until it's done. I was like, buddy, we're not doing that tonight, maybe tomorrow. Next day, dad, we're building the set. I'm like, cool. So we go in the garage with this table where he built all of his Legos. So he's out there probably an hour and a half. He comes in the house. He's like, dad, it's super hard, this, this section. I, I can't figure out. Can you come help? I'm like, absolutely. So I go in there. We're building. About five minutes into me helping my son, my son goes, dad, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. About two hours goes by. And it then dawns on me. I'm in my garage building my son's Lego set. He said, be right back, and it's been like two days. I go upstairs, and this fool is playing video games with his friends online. I walk up the stairs. He goes, Dad, you done yet? And I'm like, I've never wanted to harm my children before, but that was inching closer to that day. I was like, son, get downstairs. We're finishing this together. We go down there. We finish it. He doesn't help at all. He's just sitting there like talking to me. We finish the whole thing. The next day, my friends come over. My friends, my grown friends come to the home that I pay for, the mortgage I pay for, the, the, the groceries I pay for. All my friends walk through the door. My son says to my friends, hold on. I want to show you what I did. Goes to the garage comes out with his 2,500-piece Baby Yoda set and looks at my friends in the face and goes, look what I built. And I'm across the kitchen looking at this child. Like, the Lord better help you, sir. Look what you did. You built nine pieces of that set. Look what you did. <coughs> I wonder how many of us do that with our lives all the time. 
We bring our marriage and our business and our friends and our money and our 401k and our title. And we look at all our friends going, look what I built. And God's like, look what you did. Look at the business you built. Look at the family you built. Look at the health you built. Look at the four, what what do you mean you built? You were a part of my project. You were just there. You did 9% of that thing. I built that. I delivered you. I gave you that job. I gave you that business. I gave you that idea. I gave you that open door. You think your degree opened that door? I opened that door. You think your relationships open that door, your networking and your LinkedIn account? I open that door. How often do we hold our lives going, look at, look at what I've done. God's like, Joker, you just, you were there. You were just a part of it. Thankfulness guards us from entitlement. Look what I've done. Look what I've built. Can I talk to all of us millennials in the room too? Gen X and boomers, Hold on. Can I talk to all you millennials and Gen Z? We have a proclivity to think we deserve things we don't. You've worked at that job for nine days and you're asking for a raise? Well, you know, it's been a good month and I've... Come back in a couple of years, Joker, then I'll like, we'll talk about a raise in a while, right? There's something about us, I'm an older millennial, but millennial and Gen Z, that we think we deserve something. And we do not. We don't. But that's a bad game to play with God. It's a game to play with your boss. Well, I deserve a raise because look at my portfolio, look at my degrees, look at I've, I've all my sales, look at the, look at the profiles. That's, a, that's an interesting game to play with your boss, the I deserve game. Do you know who that's a really bad game to play that with? God. I don't think you want to talk to God about what you deserve. I don't think we want to start getting our score sheet out and writing down all the stuff we think God owes us. He does not owe us the next breath in your lungs. You woke up in your right mind by the grace of God. You kept your job during COVID by the grace of God. Your marriage has lasted this long by the grace of God. You have money in your 401k by the grace of God. You are alive because he breathed air into your lungs. You are awake because he wants you to be. Thankfulness safeguards us from entitlement. I deserve, I've built, look at me. Every one of you, your lives are a story. Who's at the center of it? You? Let me just say this too. I'm going to take my time in this service for a minute. You want to send your kids the counseling for the rest of their life? Make them the center of every room. You want your kids to be in counseling at 23 and have a horrible marriage? Make them the center of every room, every conversation, every gathering, and every barbecue. Because none of us are made to live in the center. None of us can survive the center. There's only one man, there's only one person that has the character, the nature, the humanity to be in the center of everything. And honey, it's not you. We are not made to live in the center. He is. And the sooner you remind your children, they are not the center of everything, will do them well. That was free. Side note, parenting (laughs) seminar. Save you from entitlement. Number two, just a few thoughts. Number two, 
Thankfulness safeguards us from bad memory. Anybody in the room have bad memory? Forget your phone, forget your wallet, forget your wife's birthday, forget your kids sometimes. Yeah, me either. There's three of them. They're, they're easy to lose now. Um, I have a bad memory. I'm bad with names. I, I don't have the best memory in the world. I can memorize Greek and Hebrew, but I cannot memorize people's names. Um, sometimes I think our memory does not serve us well with God. Luke 17 is fascinating. What does the Bible say? It gives this great detail. They shout to Jesus and they say, Master, have mercy on us. And then the Bible says, Jesus says back, Go show yourself to the priest. What a weird response. Jesus, heal us. Go. Go where? Show yourself to the priest. Comma, we read it. Do you remember this? It says, then as they went. You know what literally means? Is as they're walking, a finger starts getting better. A toe starts getting better. A leg starts healing. The arms start coming back. The ears. Leprosy would destroy the human body. And as they walked, they got healed. You know what we want? We want to shout and God go, bam, you're healed. We want the Bible to be so charismatic, it's hilarious to me. We just want to come to an altar one time and go, you're healed. Like, yes, Lord. Like this. That's all we want. You know what we don't want is every Sunday, every prayer meeting. Every essentials class, every counseling class, every devo, every verse we read. You know what we don't want is day by day. We want today. Yes, God does the today stuff. He will do the bam. He'll do it. But I found that's rare. What God usually does is day by day, not today. It's day by day, Sunday by Sunday. Like, God, heal our, heal our marriage. Go to counseling. Look, can we just pray? Can I just come to an altar and someone just, whap? No, can you just go to counseling? Can you forgive? Can you read some marriage books? Can you unpack how you guys got together? Can you talk about, well, I don't want to, that's a lot of work. Day by day. As they went. Every step. And I think sometimes God works so slow we think he's not working. If you would have asked them when they got to the priest, when did you get healed? It just kind of happened on the way. I couldn't put a day or a stamp or a time. It just happened. I don't know when it happened and how many of us that is our testimony. When did you guys fix your marriage? I don't know. It kind of just happened. It just Day by day, moment by moment, Sunday by Sunday. And now, look it, now looking back, I see what he was doing. But if you ask them in mid-step, are you healed? No. But three fingers were better and two toes. Were they fully healed? Not yet. But if they would have asked God in that moment, is he doing anything, they would see nothing. But by the time they went from go and they found the priest and they were fully healed, if they would turn around and look with their memory... Oh, I saw my toe there. I saw my ankle there. I saw my hand there. I saw my body there. I saw my leg there. Now that I've stopped 
and return to God with my memory. I see him working when I was 12. I see him when I was in college. I see him in the beginning of our marriage. I thought this entire time I was by myself. I couldn't see him. I couldn't feel him. But now that thankfulness has brought memory back to me, I see him working back there. I see him over there too. I mean, I thought that season was lonely, but I see God's hand in it. I mean, I, saw, I thought getting fired was the worst, but I see God's hand in that as well. I mean, I thought that person walked out. I thought they were leaving. I said, what are you doing? Thankfulness guards your memory because not just us as humans us as Christians have a proclivity and propensity to have bad memory and we can have the audacity to come to God you ain't doing nothing I don't see you I don't feel you you're doing it for them you're doing it for her why them of course them of course him like never me it's always them until you look what does the Bible say? It says, as they went, comma, and then when the one man, when he saw it. Okay. You can't be thankful for something you refuse to see. It says specifically, when he saw it, what happens? He returns. And give thanks to Jesus. Some of you are asking God for something you already have. You just can't see it. You're like my sister. You're chasing something you already have. You're longing for something that's right in front of you. But you just can't see it. Why? Because bitterness is a blinder. Anger is a blinder. Resentment is a blinder. And you are blind you were like blind Bartimaeus walking, I ain't God doing nothing. You just can't see it. You know what thankfulness does? Opens your eyes. Do you know how many people would pay money to walk without pain? And you walked up here, by the, up those stairs, down the, with not even thinking twice. Do you know people would pay money to hear well? Do you know people pay money to have a spouse like yours? Though you're frustrated. <laughs> Do people pay money to have any job? Any job. Let alone the one that you have. I challenge you over the next couple of days, just sit down, get a pen and paper, and just start writing down. God, I'm thankful I can walk. I'm thankful I can see. God, thank you for the job I have, the scooter I got, the friends I have, the city I live in, the church I'm a part of, the marriage I do have, the kids I do have, the health I'm aware of. You just start writing down this list, and before you know it, you're like, my God, he's been doing way more than I thought. I had no idea the list that I had. I am blessed beyond measure. Why? Because you just can't see it. You know what thankfulness does? It safeguards you from having bad memory. Bad memory. Number three, thankfulness always has a voice. Now, right about now, just like back home in Portland, there's people sitting here going, that's not really my personality. I'm more reserved. Quiet. Timid. I'm in Enneagram 4. 
I'm not a seven or an eight like you. That's not my personality. What was the last verse you read that spiritual discipline has anything to do with your personality? Well, I'm not really a worshiper. It's not my personality. Where does that come from? It's frustrating for us pastors when Christians make spiritual disciplines negotiating with their personality traits. Thankfulness is not an attitude or a personality. It's a spirit. Now, some of you are like, well, I'm very thankful. It's just in my heart. I think about it. I journal about it. I think about how thankful I am for Pastor John John all the time. When was the last time you said it? Because thankfulness is not a thought pattern, it's a vocal pattern. Thankfulness, I love your journal, journal, go ahead. But journaling is only one aspect of our life with Jesus. There's something that happens when you voice something. Do you remember being younger? You had your first like little crush? And your friends are like, bro, you like Susan? You're like, no! Like Susan at all. And the first time you say it out loud, like, yeah, I think I like her. <laughs> You've been pondering it for months, but it wasn't real until you said it. Something shifts when you hear yourself say something you've been thinking about. Verse for you, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if I my heart is always full of thankfulness, then your mouth would prove what your heart is full of. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth doesn't think, speaks. Thankfulness has a voice. Maybe you should kind of rethink about Sundays. Every Sunday, what are we doing? We're the one leper that God healed, that we're coming back to his home and we're saying, thank you, God. Every Sunday is us just coming back saying, thank you for this, thank you for that. That's why worship is not a personality trait. It's a thankful, it's a gratitude, it's a spirit. It's who we are all called to be. So before you write this off, like, I, I like that. It is. For every one of us, we are called to be what? Thankful. Jesus says, did I heal all ten? Where's the other nine? Only one came back. Why? Because I think we're more interested in God's stuff than his character. The other nine got what they wanted. They just kept going on their way. And what does the Bible say? Specifically, as he saw it. I don't think the other nine had bad character. I don't think they hated God. They just refused to see what he was doing. Thankfulness has a voice, a sound. What are you groping for in the darkness of your soul that is right in front of you? Many of you are like my sister. You're telling God all something you want, and he's like, you have it. Have you met these people, like older in life, like 70, 80 years old, and they spent their entire life chasing notoriety, money, fame, C-suite, corner job, title, business card, LinkedIn, 401K, and then they retire, and then they go, I had the best family, and the best kids, and the best friends, and I had what I wanted. My whole 
life, but I've spent the last 50 years chasing something I thought I didn't have. That is why when you just step on your toes a little bit, you keep church hopping because you think a church is going to fix you. It is not external. It is internal that you are dealing with. So you, that's why you jump cities. Well, I'll just move to San Fran, start over. Honey, this is one of my favorite like old-time quotes. You realize this, right? Wherever you go, you're there. <laughs> you's there. You can't escape you. But that's why you keep making everything everyone else's fault. Well, the church didn't, and mama didn't, and they didn't, and school didn't, and friends didn't, and you just keep hopping, hopping, thinking your issue is an external location. It is not an external location. It is an internal dialogue that you're having with yourself that you refuse to look within. I go, hey, hey, I know it's not popular. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe it wasn't all the other pastors. Maybe it was me. Maybe it wasn't all the other girls. It was me. You ever considered that? I know this is not popular preaching. It will help you, though. Take some time and look within. Go, man, maybe I keep going from girl to girl to girl to girl. It's not because I, you know, I just can't stay with someone. It's because I'm not happy with myself. Maybe I'm going job to job to job to job to job because I can't find my calling. It's because I'm lazy. I love Christians. I got fired because the devil's after me. You're a horrible employee. <laughs> the devil's attacking me. Player, you're attacking you. You've been late nine weeks in a row. I mean, he said, you're a horrible employee, bro. Why? Because it's easier to blame God's sovereignty than our discipline. That's why. It's easier to look outward instead of looking in. Maybe many of you this morning needed the reminder, not of what God's going to do. It's what he's already done. I love this quote by Oswald Chambers. If God were to never do another thing for me, I would already be in such debt to him for what he's already done. I'd be praising him and thanking him for the next thousands of years. Wow. Read it again. If God would never do another thing, I would already be in such debt for what he's already done. I'd be praising and thanking him for the next several thousand years. Friend, you're in debt. And not like home debt and school debt and like medical debt. I mean like Heavenly debt, good debt. And I agree with Oswald Chambers. If he doesn't do one more thing, I'm already in debt. That it will take me a millennia to say thank you for what I've already been God. There are people in the room and I'm, and I'm done. That you are so scared to admit you're mad at God because you think that will offend him. You think you're just numb and just frustrated and just in a season. The honest is, the honest 
is you're mad at God for not doing something. And that's leading toward bitterness. And I'm telling you, the healing for bitterness is yes, counseling, but more than that, it's thankfulness for what he's already done. Some of you should not be in this room. Like you should not have made it this far. Some of you, due to all your uncles and, and, and aunts and grandparents, 50 marriages they went through, the fact that you're married after 25 years is a miracle of God. The fact that you made it into college, the fact that you woke up in your right mind, the fact that you're not an addict, the fact, like go down the list of where I should be, where I've come from, what I do deserve. And when I think about his goodness, I think about his protection, I think about his guiding, I think about his mercy, I think about my mom and my grandma and my uncles and my aunts. When I actually spend time and think about what he has done, I don't need one more thing. I don't need one more moment. I don't need one more dollar. When I pause and fix my memory and fix my heart, and look at what he's done. I will only have one response. It's to come on home, come on back and go, Jesus, I just want to say thank you. Where the other nine? I don't know, but I'm here. And I just want to say thank you. Why? Because Psalms 100, I enter into his courts with thanksgiving. His helm with praise. There's a lot of Bethany's in this room looking for something, searching for something that is right there. Don't spend your entire life searching for something you have, but you refuse to see it. Because when you see it, you'll be thankful for it. And I think many of us need our blinders to come off and go, look at my life. Look at my friends. How like, you know, we're trying to buy this other East Campus. Thank God our church is growing. You know, other churches didn't survive COVID? We know there's no parking. Thank God this city has a life-giving church in the middle of it. And I will park nine blocks down the street if I have to. I'm just thankful I have a growing church to go to. Like, think about what you have and where you would be, should be, could be. You play the deserve game? I don't think we win that match. I don't think we win. It was there all along. Can you stand on your feet? I want to pray for you. head bowed, every eye closed, just out of a moment, not out of a spiritual thing, religious, honestly, just to give everybody some privacy in the room. The Bible says that the, the spirit of Jesus is like the great physician. And I feel like the doctor's in the room and there's a lot of heart surgery going on right now. If you're in the room and you're like, man, I've gotten bitter. Angry toward God about all the stuff he didn't do and I thought I deserved and where were you? And 
where were you when I was 12? And where were you when I was 16? And where were you last night? And, and your, your, your heart is leaning toward anger, bitterness, resentment toward God. And you're like, man, I need, I, I need a heart transplant toward thankfulness, gratitude. My, something like, literally like scales are falling off. Like you're beginning to see right now your life. The blessings in it. Yeah, there's pain. Yeah, there's some frustrations. Yeah, there's some big things to figure out. But, man, I'm just thankful. If you're in the room today, it's not just, I, I, I need to be more thankful. No, 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 it's deeper than that. I mean, like, there is a, there, there's a, a heart transplant, like a shift in your soul that needs to happen with your disposition toward God, your attitude of thankfulness. A spiritual shift needs to happen. If that's you, would you just put your hand up so I know how I'm praying for me? I, and you know that's you. I don't just be like, yeah, I need to vocalize my thankfulness. Yeah, I need to, you know, just be more appreciative. No, 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 no. I mean like a deep spiritual transplant of your attitude toward God, the things of God, your life, your history, your world. I just need to be more thankful. I need to be aware of the life. Father, I pray right now for every hand, every heart. Jesus, Holy Spirit, the great physician, would you come in and cut away bitterness, anger, hard-heartedness. Father, the word says in Ezekiel 37 that you will come and exchange the heart of stone for the heart of flesh. God, would you remove right now our hard hearts and give us soft, tender, pliable, moldable hearts towards you. I'm going to pray for every person in the room that is bitter and angry towards you. Would you come right now with your sweet, merciful presence and call them home again? Could I pray for scales to fall off their eyes, to look at their life, their friends, their world, their job, their city, their church, their surroundings, and let overwhelming thankfulness, gratitude to God. We do not want to be the nine. We want to be the one that comes back to say thank you. God, show us, Holy Spirit, the things that have been there all along. We've had this entire time that we were not even aware of. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the deep work you're doing in the lives of so many people in this room. I pray for you in your mighty name. And everyone said.